Welcome to Out of Devastation, a weekly Magic the Gathering podcast where we talk all things Magic the Gathering. I'm your host, Joe Loudon, and with me as always is Sam Neal. Oh yeah. How are you doing, Sam? Uh, I've had better days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I uh, just before starting recording, I popped my one of my tyres in my car. Oh no. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which means we had to propose, postpone recording while I... Because I don't know how to change a tyre. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking how to change a tyre. So um, I've had to wait ages for someone from the AA to come and fit my new tyre. Yeah. Uh, which is annoying. Um, and it was raining all day while I was at work. I got very wet. Yeah, it's just been one of those days. Yeah. Um, I think it's just been, been one of those weeks, really, hasn't it? Yeah. But, you it's know, so halfway great. through now, we'll get there. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll try. Yeah. I'll try and make it through. Sure. <laughs> Yeah, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm good, pretty good. Um, I haven't really played much Magic at all this week because my other other love, professional wrestling, has really, really taken over my all of my attention and time and energy this weekend. Uh, obviously, it was the All In Show, which was like the greatest independent wrestling pay per view there has ever been. Quite probably mm-hmm. the best wrestling pay per view I've ever seen. Like full stop. If you're I a fan of professional wrestling, you haven't seen All In yet. Go just. Just look it up. Go watch it. It was incredible. So at some point you're just going to like bully me into getting into wrestling, aren't you? I mean, it's it's like the greatest thing ever. Like if you like, I don't know. I think in some ways there are definitely some relatable elements to Magic the Gathering. Like if you you know if you enjoy being in an environment where you just like really hate all of the other fans and are constantly disappointed with the product, then I'm sure you'll love professional wrestling. <laughs> I'm sure that's a mindset shared by a lot of magic fans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sounds pretty familiar. But uh, on the, yeah, all in was like the total like flip side of that. It was it was great. It was just a show booked by a bunch of wrestlers who just knew their audience, and it was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. But as far as magic goes, I've done like three Konzataka drafts this week, and that's about it. That's pretty sweet. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was the flashback event on uh, Magic Online this week. So he's mm-hmm. been doing a few different events. Uh, we had like the Pro Tour Cube, and we've had like Chaos drafts. Uh, so they had Constaka uh, Phantom drafts for Flashback drafts, mm-hmm. and they were really, really good. Like the format is just one of the best, I think. Yeah, I remember really enjoying that format. Yeah, I, I didn't really play it that much at the time, but I think every time I played it, I've really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. And I think because the the fixing is so good and you're kind of rewarded for playing multiple colours like you can go really sort of deep and sort of even do things like five colour decks like all these kind of like I don't know like it almost kind of feels like that kind of battlecruiser magic in a way sometimes where you'll you'll take a couple of turns just building up building up and then you know, you'll play your bombs like that kind of thing but not mm-hmm. really as bommy as it has felt in like prior formats you know stuff like, like Rise of the Eldrazi and stuff like it's not like oh we're gonna you know play a 1-1 or a 2-2 and then oh now we're suddenly playing a 10-10 you know <laughs> like everything feels like really sort of paced nicely and yeah really really enjoyed that uh, so I did three of them I went 2-1 in all three of them which I, I think I'm quite happy with I think that's going to be on your gravestone <laughs> Joe Loudon, 2 1. Yeah, yeah, probably. <laughs> you just never quite get there. Yeah, I, I swear you've 3 0'd at some point. Oh, yeah, I've, I've 3 0'd like plenty of formats, but I think, yeah, the number of, number of leagues of 2 1 rather than 3 0'd is, is I mean, far, far exceeds it. Mm-hmm. Sure. I think uh, Eldritch Moon, Eldritch Moon Limited was like where I totally excelled. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't drop that side a lot. I uh, drafted loads, drafted loads, played sealed loads. I was like surprisingly really good at the sealed format. I think it was just, you know, like every now and then you'll get like a set that just kind of really, really gels with you. 
Yeah, I mean, Dominaria was like that for me. Yeah, yeah, I think Dominaria was that for me in a way, but definitely not as much as Eldritch Moon. Like, like I won like three of the pre-release events I went to. It's just like winning all the drafts here and there. Like, oh sweet! It was really, really good format. That's amazing. Yeah. But I yeah, mean, how, I, how about yourself? You played much Magic this week? Yeah, we had our monthly Legacy F and M. I went three one. Cool. Awesome. Losing to Tom Pike <laughs> in, in the last round uh, on the pair down, which is annoying. Um, uh, yeah, it was really sweet. I was playing uh, a version of Maverick with Eighth Vials. Okay, cool. Uh, which is just really sweet. Like it just feels with like the prevalence of all the blue decks. Playing Eighth Vials is pretty clutch. Yeah. Um, I mean, they're a pretty horrible top deck, but uh, you know, win three one. Like got pretty lucky. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Like played against Mono Red Painter Servant. Okay, cool. Um, and one of my favourite players was definitely my so my opponent went turn one Magus with the Moon. Oh, nice. <laughs> like, oh dear. Um, and but they just had like no pressure to back it up. Mm. Uh, and then I managed to just just kept playing lands, kept playing lands. And my opponent only had three lands in play. Yeah. They were a Great Furnace, a Ancient Tomb, and a City of Traitors. Mm. And I. Managed to draw enough basics to Kasali Prime Mage, my opponent. No, no, I. What did I do? Oh, no, I drew, I drew a Planes and the Source of Plowshares to uh, get rid of the Mages. Cool. And then Wastelanded his three lands. <laughs> <laughs> and nice. then just won the game. It was nice. great. Um, but it was really fun. Effort. Like, Alexi F. Ninja was, was really fun because people just are there to have fun and play some good Magic. So. Yeah. Uh, it was annoying losing to Tom, though. Expected, really, given he is such a such an expert on Legacy, as he demonstrated last yeah, week on the show. Yeah. We had some of the worst games, though. Yeah. They were... Uh, I'm sure he won't mind me saying <laughs> They were just so bad. We just both sat there like, yeah, just being bored and just playing rounds and then playing spells and then he played Trina Nemesis and... Oof. Yeah, it was uh, Yeah, that's a great. card. That's a card. Yeah, he's, he's, playing, he's playing like a pretty stock Rixis control list. Yeah. Uh, and then was just like, I'm just going to play Trina Nemesis because <laughs> it's pretty good. I'm like, yeah, it is very good, especially yeah. when I literally can't get it. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that was, pre- that was pretty annoying. Um, but yeah, it's always good fun. And then I haven't played much Magic outside of that really. No, I, I did get to get to watch a bit as well. Um, see, I watched some of the Reduke stream from GP Richmond. Mm-hmm. But it was really, really cool. Like that's one of the best coverage I've seen, like ever. Um, yeah. The fact that you had the players mic'd so you could hear them, you could just hear like how how good Reduke is at Magic. Like he's yep. everything's there. Like he's fantastic at playing the game. He's really respectful and he's he's just very clear. Like, he plays really clean Magic. Like announcing everything, checking things. We even had him like like overrule like a judge call against him and stuff. Like. <laughs> Yeah, he's just a really good magic player. Yeah. That needed proving, but <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah, yeah, true. It didn't really need proving at all, but it was it was great just to see that dem- you know demonstrated throughout a whole a whole GP. The story yeah, was that was told was fantastic as well. Like watching him go like like eight nil on day one, and then uh, day two, it just looked like he was going to be out of contention for top eight like fairly quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, he played against lands like three games in a row. Yeah, so remember, it was like eight two, I think, going into round eleven. Mm-hmm. Uh, he played lands again, and it was like, oh well, he was. But that's it. He's probably he's not going to be in contention top, for top eight, but they'll probably you know they'll probably stick with him for another round, and then he ended up just winning that match against against Lands. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he lost the first game, and then like games two and three, you just like just once the the sideboard came in, just like nobody <laughs> plays like Reed Duke. <laughs> yeah, he is a very very good match player yeah. and a very very. He just seems like a very nice guy. Yeah, absolutely. 
a real so good guy for Magic. You got to got to watch him play all the way up to a, a winning in for the top eight, which was was really cool. Unfortunately, really he did cool. lose that. Uh, I I did find his opponent a little bit disrespectful as well. Like yeah, there's there's a lot to be said about that situation. I think yeah, obviously there were there were issues where like I don't know, like I I feel like watching that. I I feel like there was some like not necessarily slow play, but his, his opponent was certainly being hesitant with some plays. Yeah, uh, but you know, how do you prove how do you prove that sort of thing? Really, like I mean, if you're mic'd up and on camera, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's it's a it was a tough situation to call, I think, and I think a lot of people were sort of on Reed's side. Yeah, of, definitely. Like, uh, it, I think it was, I think, bit, it was a bit of a mess. Yeah, definitely. Like you know, you, you had them draw, and then I, th- I think the thing that put a major damper on, on it for me was when when his opponent asked asked if he'd like to concede to him, like after they yeah, <laughs> they did the draw, yeah. and I was like, oh, no, that's like. Given given the fact it's Reduke and it's this whole you know they're telling this whole story with 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 coverage and it's you know it's a winning in it's a potential winning in as well like I mean Reduke did have the best tiebreaker so if he did win that it was it was highly highly likely that he was going to make the eighth position in the top eight mm-hmm. I, I think I don't know like. You're playing for a win in, in on a G, on a GP, like of, of course you could say that, and like, anybody could say that in that position, really. Yeah. But I don't know. I, th- I think I think it probably would have just been right to scoop to read. Uh, probably. I mean, yeah. I think that whole situation just sort of soured what was yeah. a very a very good uh, coverage. Yeah. I hope they do that more of that going forward. Like, I think I've, I've seen a few people like <clears throat> I don't know if it's possible, but saying that they could do they could follow like a player. Yeah. Um, and then they could also just cover the rest of the GP as normal. Yeah. So you can fit between the two because I guess watching you know Grixis control for fifteen rounds is uh, <laughs> not not everyone's cup of tea, but it was it was really sweet. Um, yeah, it was really sweet, and I mean they, they did do that that as well. Sort of after so mm-hmm. after Reed's games were finished, they they were recording other matches, so you got to see like the time walk plays uh, of yeah, the other yeah. matches as well. So you did get to see th- some things, but yeah, if they could do like a like a team GP or something and follow like Peach Gardeno as they progress through the GP, like that would be really cool. Awesome. But, you know, yeah, that'd we'll be see. really cool. We'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. So this Sweet. week, our main topic this week is going to be about modern, really, I guess. Yeah. Sort of sparked by the conversation we were having last week about uh, modern Power 9. We thought, like, that seems like a really cool idea for a topic. That's something that we could discuss a lot. Let's kind of go deep on that and give a big definitive list for what we think or, you know, what we think should strongly be contention for, like, the Power 9 of the, the modern format. Yeah, I'm uh, really excited to get into this because it's, uh, it's just, it's, it's very interesting just to, just to, I mean, I hate modern <laughs> <laughs> currently, but it's really interesting to, like, see, like, where the power lies and what makes cards powerful and, like, strategy powerful. Yeah, totally. So, leading into that this week... Uh, cracker pack is going to be slightly different. Yeah, I've got a Modern Masters 2017 pack. Hey. That I'm going to crack and hopefully going to pull some sweet some sweet mod cards. Yeah, come on, uh, it's Golden Tarn. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right, I'm going to be, like, if you hear me screaming. <laughs> <laughs> um, right, sweet. Yeah, let's go for it. Awesome. Okay. okay. First card is uh, Scorched Rusalka. Mm. It's a single red for a 1-1 and you can pay a red and sacrifice a creature and it does one damage to target player. Nope. No. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty bad. Okay, uh, next we have Centaur Healer. Uh-uh. One green white for a 3 3. Uh, when it ends the battlefield, you gain three life. Yeah, I think it's better than the uh, the Rusalka, but mm-hmm. uh wouldn't want to be picking a, a gold card sort of straight away. No, you would if it's Selesnia, though, right? Uh, I mean, you would. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I definitely would. It's a green white card. <laughs> okay, the next card's. Mm, similar. So we've got uh, Coiling Oracle. 
Okay, cool. Green to blue for 1 1. When it hits the battlefield, reveal the top card of your library. If it's a land, put it on the battlefield, otherwise, put it into your hand. Yeah, I, I like Coiling Oracle a bit more, I think, mm-hmm. than uh, Centaur Healer. Uh, yep. so that effect is slightly more interesting. Uh, I think I think at this point the Centaur Healer would probably just be the pick, though. Yeah, I think it's, it's a better body to have on the field, yeah. doesn't have. I mean, I think this is the best creature to have on a Black Border card, right? Snake Elf Druid. Quite possibly, yeah. <laughs> uh, next up, we have Eyes in the Skies, uh-huh. which is. Three and a white for an instant. Create a one-one white bird creature token with flying, and then populate. Yeah, I don't think this card's good. No, it depends. Like, if you're really, like, really in the token stack, yeah, uh, then I think it's pretty good because uh, you can populate something else. But yeah, it's, it's not first pick. I don't think yeah. like two one-one flyers for four mana. I mean, it's not great. Yeah. Ooh, then we have momentary blink. Hmm. I like this card a lot. Yeah, uh, one and a white for an instant. Exile target creature you control and return it to Battlefield under its own control, and it has flashback for three and a blue. Yeah, um, I feel like it's. I mean, it's been a while since I drafted this format, but there was definitely like a sort of blink deck there, wasn't there? Yeah, absolutely. Like, I think it was one of the more powerful archetypes to sort of force yourself into. Yeah. Um, and just the amount, the amount of ETB triggers you have on on creatures. I mean, um, it was really good, and you had all the. Uh, Splices, right? Yeah, yeah. Splices are really good. Like momentary blinking as well. So it was really sweet, just to make uh, some golems. Yeah, I think maybe maybe that's the pick so far then. Yeah, I think I think the thing with modern master drafts is you sort of you don't take the proactively best pick. You yeah. take the coolest card and try and build around it. <laughs> um, that's how I normally treat it. I I did a lot of modern master three drafts, um, and I think just like sort of picking an octon going with it was sort of a reasonable strategy. Yeah. Or just opening a fetch land, and, uh, yeah. <laughs> just taking that and not caring. Uh, ooh, next up we have Bone Splinters. Ooh, that was a cool. back for sorcery. Yeah, uh, as additional cost, sacrifice creature and destroy target creature. Yeah, it's not bad. Like it's it's pretty fine removal, but I think momentary blink would be my pick over it still at this point. Yeah, I think so. I think it's a very uh, serviceable removal spell. Yeah. Um, if you've you know if you've got creatures to sacrifice to it, but I yeah, I think I'd take Link over this so far. Yeah, I agree. Cool. Then we have Traitorous Instinct, which I'm just not taking, but it is three in a red for a sorcery, uh gain control of target creature until turn and tap it. Until end of turn it gets plus two plus I land haste. Yeah, again, like if you were in that sort of black red sacrifice deck, then mm-hmm. it'll be a fine pickup later down the line, but I don't think anybody has ever and will ever first pick that card. <laughs> no, no, you're probably correct. Uh, <laughs> uh, then we have uh, Mud Button Torch Runner, which oh. <laughs> is some of my favourite art. Uh, it's a two in a red for a Goblin Warrior. It's a one-one. When it dies, it deals three damage to target creature or player. Hmm. Uh, no, nah. it's just yeah, it's just not particularly interesting. Like I, I do love the art on it as well. It's really funny, uh, and it's like it's fine. Like that three damage yeah. is. is is acceptable definitely but mm-hmm. I, I think if I'm doing a master's draft I want to kind of try to do some silly things and momentary yeah, things still, still up there for me yeah mm-hmm. ooh next we have uh, Core Skyfisher mm. love this card one and a white for a 2-3 with flying when it's a battlefield return a permanent you control to its owner's hand it's got sweet yeah I like that card a lot mm. yeah so, I mean it's meant to be a downside right <laughs> yeah, it's uh, but yeah. Like if you're if you're drafting the the blink deck, like where you you have ETB triggers and you care about that, then this is pretty sweet. And yeah. I mean, a two three flyer for two. Yeah, I think it's probably going to be my pick so far. I think um, 
like obviously the momentary blink is kind of necessary in that deck, but mm. I, I think the core skyfisher you could probably play in like a multiple you know, different yeah. decks really to be honest. Yeah, I think it's just so quick. And like, you can always just pick up a land. It's two mana, two, three flyer. It's great. Yeah, yeah, it's really good. Uh, and we have Revive, which is uh, one and a green for a sorcery. Return type green card from your graveyard to your hand. Uh, no, I would not first pick this card ever. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> that is a perfectly reasonable analysis. Uh, and we have uh, Thundersong Trumpeter, uh, a red and a white for a 2 1. Yeah. You can tap it, tight creature can't attack or pop this down. Hmm, I, I can't talk bad about this card. Yeah, I, I still prefer the core Skyfisher over it, I think. Yeah, like going into like red and white, you're probably. It's going to be difficult to cast this on turn two. Yeah. Uh, it's only a 2 1, and then like. The, the, the ability is relevant, and, but I mean, I, I think this card would be much better if it was monocolors, and I guess that's why it's not. Yeah, true. Yeah, this card's not great. Ooh-hoo. So we have Is It Signet? Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> two generic mana for an artifact you can pay one uh, tap it to add red and blue to your mana pool yeah I love this card yeah it's, it's just the, a straight pick best <laughs> of the signets uh, yeah like I mean any draft format with signets I think 99% of the time it's probably just right to take the signet first yeah signets are nuts yeah. like they are the amount of times I cube and signets just go round and round and round like, have you read you read this card right yeah it was just incredibly powerful yeah Okay, well that's that's annoying. <laughs> that's just obviously the pick. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what else we get. Cause we've we've still got an uncommon, uh, a rare, and a foil. Yeah. Don't forget the foil. No. Nope. Uh, so next up we have molten rain. Okay. Yeah, one red for a sorcery. Destroy target land. If it was non basic, deals two damage to that landless controller. Uh, no. I feel like it wasn't really even playable. Like land destruction is never. It's never really a playable nope. thing in limited. To be honest, outside a cube. No, I think it's just reprinted because yeah. it needed to reprint because it was like three bucks for some reason. Yeah, still on that, is it Signet? Yeah, so I'm going to... Do I go for the foil or the rare first? Let's go for the foil first. Oh, ooh, that could be that could be the, the, where the money is. Yeah. Okay, okay. Okay, it's a, it's a foil rare. Okay. It is Mind Shatter. Hmm. X black black for a sorcery. Target player discards X cards at random. <laughs> I mean, if it was Mind Twist, it would just be a straight yes. Yeah, I mean it's only like one more mana, right? Yeah, it's only one more mana. Still, I think I'm still on the Is It Signet plan. Okay, well I'm on the Is It Signet until I obviously just have this time to go for it. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So the rare in the pack is okay. Okay. Okay, this is pretty sweet. Okay. Uh, Cyclonic Rift. Ooh. Okay. Sweet. Yeah. Yeah. One in a blue for an instant. Return target non permanent. You don't control to its at its hand. You can overload it for six in a blue. which means you can cast it for a low cost, and you change uh, its text by replacing all instances of target with each. So it's return each non number you don't control in a hand. Yeah, Cyclonic Rift's pretty good. Um, I, I think I'm still on the signal all the way though. Like it just leaves you more open, and you can you can play a signet in any deck. Like even if it's like yeah, an off color signet. I mean, I'm. I think if I'm treating this as the um, as like a modern, you know, a typical modern masters draft, yeah. I think I'm taking the cyclonic rift because it's eighteen bucks. <laughs> <laughs> like, wow, was it eighteen dollars at the moment? Yeah. Wow. Uh, sounds like the best card in Commander is a, <laughs> a reason for it to be expensive. Wow. Sure. I, I needed another one. So that's pretty, pretty sweet. <laughs> And it's paid for the pack. Yeah. So, awesome. Wow, okay. 80... When did it get to $18? Okay, okay, cool. So, I mean, it's been it's been printed three times now. Yeah. And, it, it, I mean, it is just, like, the best card in Commander. Outside of Sol Ring, yeah. Uh, sure, sure. <laughs> but, like, 
it's just it, it, I could I could talk forever about the fact that Cyclone Rift is nuts, and I think it should probably banned in the format. What, like, <clears throat> there's so many things. It's like it's like a Death Watch Death Watch Shaman thing. It's like so many. Yeah. Of the, it's, I mean, it's not as powerful as that, but it's like a Death Watch Shaman thing where it's like, why does it have that specific thing? It's like, why is it instant, or why is it opponents? Uh, like things your opponents control not everyone's it's just there's there's a couple of things on it that just make it oh, yeah. I mean I was listening to uh, another podcast today uh, where they, mm-hmm. they mentioned Cyclone Grift and um, one of the people on there mentioned that uh, on EDH rec there are more decks that play Cyclone Grift than decks that play Basic Island <laughs> so what yeah, so decks that will just play like like a dual land, like you know a land that can tap a blue, though, but they might not necessarily have a need or you know be able to play basic islands. That's amazing. But if playing Cyclonic Rift. Yeah, because the cards just like it's just absurd. Like yeah. if you're playing blue, you play Cyclonic Rift because it just wins the game. <laughs> yeah. Uh, cards great. Sweet. Okay. Well, now I own two. Yay! There you go. Woo-hoo. You're gonna build another commander deck now. No, I've already got five. <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. I don't want to build another blue. I've got one blue deck. I don't need another one. So, now that that's out of the way and we pulled no modern staples, <laughs> let's talk about some modern staples. Yeah. I think, first of all, should we do a card of the week? Oh, yeah. So, have you got a, a cool card for us this week? Yeah, uh, my card is uh, Armageddon. Okay. That's an interesting okay. one. Or in a white for sorcery, destroy all lands. So, this card is uh, not particularly playable. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, I'm playing it in the sideboard of my of my legacy deck currently. Yeah. I played I played choke in my sideboard for ages because uh, you just need a way to be blue decks. Yeah. And I'm playing Ether Vile, which means I don't need lands. And I'm playing Noble Hierarchs, which means I have ways to produce mana outside of lands. Yeah. And I wanted a hard answer to control decks. Yeah. Um, and chokes normally been a pretty good way to do that. Like slamming a choke against miracles or against Goose control is pretty sweet. Like it just gave you enough time to like finish the job. Yeah. But it's also it's also good for just general grindy games. Like you can bring it in against lands and they just sort of can't recover for it most of the time because uh, they don't have the mana to cast loans. But I brought it in... So going back to the games I played against Tom, I brought it in against uh, Tom and he's playing Grixis Control. So the, the board's sort of stalled and nothing particularly interesting is happening. And I... So I was like, okay, I'm just going to play this arm again because, you know, I've got an either and play, I've got a couple of Nova Hierarchs, I can still cast my spells. Yeah, you don't know I can just slow, like, slow down Tom enough to... where well, this is just going like, to give me enough time to close the game out. Yeah. So I play it, uh, and he draws and plays a land, then draws and plays a land, then draws and plays a land, then draws and plays uh, Crucible of Worlds, <laughs> oh. <laughs> and then just continues to play all his lands from his graveyard that has just been, uh, just been destroyed, and uh, resolve two Trinomuses and just completely murder me. So it's a card that I brought in because I thought it would just be a hammer and I'd just be able to win the game. It turns out if you just uh, draw runner runner lands and a crucible of worlds, <laughs> you don't care that your opponent has resolved arm again. Yeah. And of course, at this point, I've drawn no lands, <laughs> and I've just made myself lose the game. Oh no. Uh, so I think I might just go back to choke because it's <laughs> it's probably just better. But um, I just thought it'd be sweet because you know with the ether vial, like you don't need your lands on tap because you can just vial and things. Um, yeah. Uh, for free. Um, and I thought it'd be really good. Yeah. Um, I don't think that. I don't think that card sees enough play. I mean, I'm not allowed to play an EDH. I, I, I like Armageddon as, as a card in general. Like, I think it's pretty oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, most experience I have with Armageddon is kind of playing against it in old school. Like, it's fairly decent yep. in the old school format. Oh yeah, like, I play in old school. It's yeah, great. I play it in a, an Armageddon, and it's just it's just sweet. Mm-hmm. Really, really that cool. Deals with Personal library, cards. deals with like factories, deals with workshop. Like, it's great. Yeah, it's just really good. I mean, I love just like slamming a turn three Sarah Angel yeah. and then a turn four Armageddon, and my opponent just can't win. <laughs> so good. Um, but yeah, in this particular situation, it was not good. No. Uh, but you know, it happens. Yeah. I just made myself lose the game. <laughs> uh, so, what is your card of the week? 
Uh, my card of the week is something slightly more interesting, I think. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> I, I, hey, I love, I do love, I personally do love Armageddon, but mm-hmm. nice and exciting, fresh off the press. Uh, we had our first official lot of Guilds of Ravnica spoilers from this weekend. Yeah. Uh, so my card of the week this week is Ral, is it Viceroy? Sweet. Uh, it is three blue red for a legendary planeswalker ral enters about a field of five loyalty uh, it has a plus one look at the top two cards of your library put one of them into your hand and the other into your graveyard uh, minus three ral is it viceroy deals damage to target creature equal to the total number of instant and sorcery cards you own in exile and in your graveyard and it has a minus eight which is you get an emblem with whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell this emblem deals four damage to any target and you draw two cards it's uh, pretty sweet. Yeah, it's like ridiculously good. I think. Mm-hmm. I think it's like once again, like the obvious comparisons are like Deferi here of Dominaria and Obnixilus. Yeah. Like five mana planeswalker, where the plus one draws you a card, the minus three gets rid of something, and the minus whatever the ultimate is wins you the game. Yep. But I, yeah, I think this card is very powerful. I think. I agree. If if Deferi wasn't in in the format, Ral would be the problem planeswalker. I think definitely. Mm-hmm. Uh, like yeah the minus one's great like top two cards of your library that's always good like drawing cards always good the fact that you get to look at two and choose one that's great Uh, and the fact that you can put an instant or sorcery card from that into your graveyard to fuel help fuel the minus three as well it's pretty good Mm -hmm. works really nicely with the the jump start mechanic from Ravnica that the is it have that we will go more deep into more detail next week yeah Uh, and yeah that minus eight like whenever you cast an instant sorcery spell, someone deals four damage to any target. So all right, it's like Shine of Torture Defiance, mm-hmm. but then you tack, you draw two cards to the end of it, and that's yeah. it's like <laughs> what? <laughs> it's just ridiculous. You just keep cycling through your deck until your opponent's dead. Yeah, it's. Uh, really I I really really like this card. I really hope there's just going to be like a just like a spells deck. Like we can play counter spells and removal and planeswalkers. That's all I want. Yeah, uh, yeah. Like I said, we're gonna go. I think we're gonna go deep on the Ravnica spoilers because uh, next week, because I am hyped. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. We've seen some pretty cool things so far, some really interesting things. But yeah, Ral as a viceroy is the real deal, and I think I'm probably gonna pre-order a playset as soon as possible. Yeah. I like a smart move. Yeah, I definitely missed out with Teferi. Felt like mm-hmm. I kind of, I don't know. I feel like I got the power level of that card spot on. Like, yeah. I think if you go back and, like, listen to our episode when we, we talked about him as, like, my card of the week in well, one week, like, I think I got the, the power spot on, was very excited about it for the right reasons, but mm-hmm. didn't kind of, like, bite the bullet and buy them at, like, you know, £10 each or whatever they were. But uh, I think I learned from my mistake very quickly, and I'm going to pick up some Rals ASAP. Yeah, so, I mean, since we're doing a modern episode, uh, I know we're going to do Ravnica next week, but can we briefly talk about the fact that there's a specific reprint that is very exciting? Yeah. Can we talk about the Shocklands? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Never. I can. I'm very hyped. Yeah, I mean, there was no way they weren't going to put them in the set, to be honest. I, like, was, I was a little bit worried. I thought maybe they wouldn't, but... Uh, mm, I, I thought far too many people would be far too upset if they didn't put them in the set. Yeah. Like you, you can, you know, you can forgive them for not putting the Zendikar fetchlands in Battle for Zendikar, because mm-hmm. you know, Scalded and Tarn was like a hundred dollars, and you know, if if they're gonna put a cycle in, they kind of have to be at rare rather than mythic. Yep. And 
I mean, you can. I think you absolutely can put a $100 card in as a rare, but was, of course, demonstrated time and time again that that's not something they want to do. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you can forgive them for not doing that, but I think, obviously, the shock lands are at a price where they're not ridiculous to be included as a rare. Yep. You know, everybody who wants <clears> a shock land will be happy, like, you know, buy a pack for £3 and get a shock land. Great. Yeah, I mean, that's what I'm going to spend the next two years doing is just aggressively collecting shocklands. Yeah, yeah, same. Because like, I, I didn't do it the last time with Return to Ravnica, and I feel like I made a mistake. Yeah, I I mean, I wasn't really, you know, invested that deeply into the game while mm-hmm. they were sort of still in standard last time. And, yeah. Uh, you know, it, it was even a little while until I got into modern, like, by the time, like, that set had rotated out and stuff. And so I didn't really take advantage of them last time, but I think, yeah, like, I'll be, I'll be chasing after them, definitely. Like, I'm certainly going to, certainly going to open at least one box. Like, definitely more, I'll definitely open more Ravnica than I did M19. Oh, absolutely. Like, I'm going to open a lot of these packs. Yeah. Hopefully the draft's, uh, the draft set is good. Mm. So before we move on to the main topic, there are two things specifically I want to say about these Sharklands. Yes. Uh, so we have so uh, in this set we have Steam Vents, Evergreen Zoom, Temple Garden, Water Grave, and Sacred Foundry. Yeah. Uh, so first thing, the Temple Garden art is incredible. Yeah, it is very and nice. Is nearly as good as the original. Yeah. Is much better than the Return to Ravnica one. Yeah, I, uh, like, I would agree. It's absolutely gorgeous. And the second thing is about Steam Vents. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. you'll, you'll, you'll find on this this new Steam Vent art, Steam Vents art is that it is lacking both Steam and Vents. Yes. <laughs> um, but it does have the best flavor text. Yeah, which is a, a massive new visit building, uh, a massive new visit building project with an unstated purpose. Probably fine, <laughs> uh, but it, it lacks both steam events. So it's yeah, it's it's very odd. I think especially if you compare it to some of the, the new guild basic lands that we've got as well. Yeah, that we'll be getting. There's like uh, the is it. Island, which mm-hmm. shows both steam and vents. And <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it also this one also lacks an island and a mountain. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> which you can normally forgive for like shocklands because you know it's hard to do that in a city setting or whatever. But yeah, this but this just does not, none of those things. There's definitely no mountain sense. there, and nope. I mean, there's 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 arguably no water as well. Like you can there's, see, you can see that. Cle- yeah, you can see that it's clearly like a dock or like a shoreline or something. But yeah. you can't really see any water. Yeah, it's really annoying. But I, I, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I like the art. I think the art's fantastic. It just yeah, it's awesome. It's really feels cool. Very strange that that is the steam vent art. Yeah, it's really weird. Um, but I'm gonna pick up some foil temper gardens because they're lush. Yeah, yeah. I had, I hadn't even considered. Foil shock lands, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna pick up as many as I can. <laughs> cool. That's yeah. That's gonna be a thing. Because <sighs> they will be worth uh, a lot of money eventually. Yeah, as they always are. They won't be. They, well, they will be when they're in standard, but they will obviously be open loads. So yeah. I think gonna pick up as many shock lands as I can. Cool. Just just six months to go or something silly until we get the the blood crypt. <laughs> Who cares about blood crypts? <laughs> Rakdos. Rakdos cares about blood crypts. <laughs> I have I have one for my commander deck that plays both black and red, and that will do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sweet. So, should we move on to our main topic? Yeah. So, our main topic this week uh, is the the modern Power 9, I guess mm-hmm. we're calling it. Um, yeah. So, I think, like, before we go through the main list, were there any sort of like cards that just didn't quite make the cut that you wanted to talk about? Yeah, so I think, so, I mean, the way that we devised this list was interesting because I guess if you look at the, so the Power Nine is, you know, the nine most powerful cards printed in Alpha, right? Yeah, powerful so, and powerful and, and iconic, I think, yeah. Yeah, so you've got Black Lotus, the Moxon, uh, Time Twister, Ancestral Recall, Time Walk. Uh, that's one of them, right? Yeah. Um, 
and yes, yeah, so we wanted to think like what what would a modern version of that look like? Or what are the most nightmare powerful cards? And that turns out that was really difficult. So one card that I think very nearly made the cut was uh, Cryptic Command. Yeah, definitely. As a sort of honorable mention, because it's the best counter spell in the format. Yeah, and has been since uh, its existence. Yeah, definitely. Like not just the fact that it's a counter spell, like also like the other modes of it as well. Like it's just, just it's not, so yeah. so versatile. Yeah, it's great. Like uh, I have lost, I probably lost a critical command more than any other card. Well, I mean, outside like lightning bolt. Yeah, for sure. Um, but if you if you're in a lock where someone's like casting cryptic commands and like flashing them back, then you just you're just in a bad spot. Yeah, and I think control hasn't been that viable. It was like wasn't viable in modern for such a long time. Um, and I think. Cryptic was the kind of is kind of the card that holds that that sort of strategy together. Yeah, I, th- I think so definitely. Like the amount of games I've seen just like completely swing as well from like one person top decking a cryptic command and then mm-hmm. go and like go tap your team down, draw a card, and they've drawn like whatever card they need to just win the game from that. Like it's yeah, it's it's one of those cards that is just absolutely fantastic at any any stage of the game where you can cast it. To be honest, absolutely yeah. Like I mean, their entire strategies were built around the card. Yeah, but it just it didn't it didn't quite make it onto the list with the, the rest of the cards we've got yeah I think I, I, I yeah it, it was quite a difficult one to sort of narrow it down to sort of the nine exactly but yeah Cryptic Man was definitely on my initial list I know it was on your initial list but mm-hmm. yeah I think we had some other cards to make room for and sadly Absolutely. Cryptic didn't make the cut did you have a, a, another one for mention before we get to the list uh, yeah uh, two I guess really um, mm-hmm the first one was uh, Liliana of the Veil. Yeah, yeah. I just thought it's one of the most powerful like spells in in the whole format. Really, I think like you know the amount of play that that card has seen since it's been I guess since it was printed in, in Innistrad. Like it was always always in every Jund list. Like Junk was running it. Like you know like Eight Rack. Like whatever. Like it's never one of those cards where it has that sort of flexibility of like the the two modes, or you could like go a turn for, like knocking out activating it, and like the ultimate just wins of the game like it's it's very very powerful mm-hmm. and i feel like it's the best oh, i know for like for a long time like it, it was it was probably the best planeswalker in the modern format uh i think it's probably still better than jay's <laughs> yeah I, I, mm, I think i would agree just i think it is just still better than jace i mm-hmm. i think I think Khan Liberated might be slightly better than it. Actually, I'm sure, but it costs seven mana. <laughs> ex- exactly, that, that's that's the thing. Like Khan costs seven mana, uh, and like Teferi is probably at least as good as it, if not slightly better. Yeah, I mean, I think like if we're talking like raw power, I think yeah. probably the best planeswalker in the format is Ugin. Yeah. I would say. Yeah, probably, but again, uh, not that eight mana. Yeah, I mean, I if think. we're actually talking raw power level, I think the most powerful planeswalker legally modern is probably the flip side of Nicobolus the Deceiver. <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> Okay, sure. <laughs> in terms of actual castable stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Liliana is one of those cards that is really, it feels that sort of like iconic role as well. Like, you know, it was like one of the cards that everybody wanted reprinted in every single Master set. Everyone yeah. wanted it to be reprinted when we went back to Innistrad. One of those cards that you kind of just associate with the modern format. Oh yeah, she was like literally like the face of modern for yeah. such a long time. But yeah, sadly, I think like, again, was one of those ones where when we really sort of tried to re- refine our list, she didn't quite make the cut mm-hmm. unfortunately and then my other honourable mention uh, or I don't know I feel some people might find it a dishonourable mention I guess myself included <laughs> yeah. uh, it was Blood Moon Ugh. yeah Ugh, exactly <laughs> <laughs> yeah I think I think it's reasonable like I, I mean I hate the card me too uh, I think most people hate the card but uh, it's just it's a powerhouse right mm. um, absolutely and- 
it's the finding of so many archetypes and yeah. it's just it's just a sledgehammer against so many decks absolutely i think that's one of the things about modern at least like for a fairly reasonable amount of time i think it's become this sort of like sideboard format where like your, your sideboard is really important and blood moon is just one of those cards that like if you're playing any deck that plays red you know you're absolutely bound to be running like at least one blood moon in your sideboard i think i think um one of the defining characteristics of modern as a format is the greedy mana bases yeah and therefore, one of the most powerful cards is going to be something that disrupts it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but it's still not as good. And it's still not good enough to make it. I mean, maybe maybe it should be on the list and we're just being biased. Because <laughs> <laughs> we hate it so much because we play decks that require non-mountains. But um, yeah, I hate Blood Moon. Yeah, that's it. I think like I, it is an iconic card and I do respect the power level of it. But I think, absolutely. again, like when we, you have to refine the list down to nine, I think it just didn't quite make the cut. Yeah. I agree. So, so should we get into the the actual Power Nine? Yeah, format? let's go for it. Yeah, the official Hour of Devastation, Power Nine of Modern. Sweet. So, I think given yeah. the way we've written the list, if we go <clears throat> if we go back and forth between us, yeah, the way the list is written, I think this works out quite well for like cards that the person talking about them will know the best. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> so, if I if I go first with uh, Aethervile, yeah, that's a card. Yeah, I love this card. Um, it's I just think it's it's I mean it's it's a defining card in so many decks, right? Yeah. So, um, it, what's what makes what make the what makes the modern Murphy deck work yeah uh the fact that you're just able to cheat on mana and like double or triple spell um and you can play utility land so you don't have to cast your double blue spells with actual islands yeah um it's just an, an aggro deck where you, just, you want to get as many creatures on the, in play as possible uh death and taxes yeah where like cheating on mana is just really really good yeah definitely like you're, you're making all the spells cost more but mm-hmm. you, you don't have to pay tax because you've got a nice little lethal vial that just like backdoors your creatures on the battlefield like it's ridiculously good exactly and like you want to be um, ghost crawling your opponents with a lane and in play so like you don't want to have to tap your lands for creatures yeah um, and uh, Aid of Off Liquid Wisp is just dirty. <laughs> one of my favourite plays to make. Um, and then, obviously, I think the the deck that's currently best in is Humans. Yeah. Where it just it it makes that deck. I mean, there's uh, there's so many. Obviously, this is probably the best deck in the format currently, right? Uh, yeah, I think like undoubtedly, to be honest. Yeah. Um, and obviously, there's loads of discussion about it. And I think you just normally you can't keep a hand in that deck without a one drop. Yeah. And Aid of Five is just the absolute nuts because it allows you to uh, get your get your cards in under counter spells. Yeah. Uh, which is relevant, uh, and it allows you to flash them in, which is also very relevant. Uh, stuff like flashing in uh, card self rebirth at the end of your opponent's turn, yeah. um, and it just allows you to, to cheat on mana. I yeah. think that's, that's why Aetherbind is so powerful. It's just it allows you to cheat on mana. I so you have, so you have two lands, but you can make a three drop. Like yeah, exactly. Yeah, it 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 almost. I don't know. I feel like it, it almost kind of fills that in that black lotus role, role. I think really, if you're comparing it to like an actual power card, like you drop this on turn one, tick it up, and then like you know you're casting like a three mana spell essentially for like zero mana. Like, you're using it to put like three mana's worth of a creature on the battlefield. Yeah, it's um, it's just very very powerful, and I think it's it was wasn't the first card that came to mind when I was like devising the power nine yeah um but it's it was, always been a relevant card yeah it, it was certainly one of mine to be honest I think like I, I I personally really really dislike the card because of because of that because you get to cheat on mana so much and you get to do mm-hmm. these you know really unfair things like I think it's fine it's probably fine in the format but yeah it, it is it, it's just not a fair card that's the thing I think I think that's the thing because it goes into decks that are inherently fair yeah right so uh, Merfolk was a very fair deck yeah Death and Taxes is some of the fairest magic you can play. 
and humans like in and of itself a very fair deck yeah it's playing playing around playing creatures playing mantis rider like you know (laughs) exactly yeah um but it just it allows you to do unfair things in a fair deck like i said flicker wisp is just nuts but like you get to you get to cheat because like you should be on turn three you should be casting a three drop yeah and passing the turn but you might get to play two or three and some of the instant speed that can't be countered um and it just allows you allows you to uh, leverage advantage of a deck that is just all creatures and yeah. that's just nuts it's just really good yeah I, I just think it's great and yeah there was no way it wasn't going to make the list in my eyes yeah uh, now this is the real question which is the correct art <laughs> <laughs> uh, any of them to be honest oh come on it's dark steel subjectively dark steel that's, yeah. that's the correct either or. oh well <laughs> Sweet. So that's, that's our first card. Yes. And I think the next card on the list is all you. <laughs> yeah. So the next card on the list is also another card that lets you cheat on mana. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and it's it is another card that shares a trait with the, the original Power Nine, really, uh, and that is Mox Opal. Ugh. So it's uh, yeah, it's a, it's a Moxen. So it's a zero mana artifact that you can tap to produce one mana. Uh, so this one has. You know, what may seem a slight drawback, so it's a zero mana, it has metal craft, uh, so you tap it to add one mana of any colour to your mana pool, activate this ability only if you control three or more artefacts. Uh, that seems like quite an easy thing to do given the modern format. Absolutely. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, like you compare this to like obviously the original Moxon, like they don't really have have like a drawback in that sense, like their drawbacks are that they can only tap for one mana of whatever colour they produce so like sapphire only produces blue ruby only produces red jet only produces black etc uh the mox opal can produce one manner of any color but you need to have three artifacts mm-hmm. this just really isn't a problem like <laughs> yeah yep. yeah so it sees play in like a, a number of different decks um i think the the big two really that i see playing are affinity and London control uh and yep. yeah affinity just plays lots of really cheap artifacts and artifact lands as well yeah lantern control again just plays loads of like one mana or zero mana artifacts so you'll you'll have turns where like you'll play a land you'll play a mox opal you'll play a mushroom ball and you'll play a lantern of insight and then that's it mox opal's turned on so then you can play your codex shredder and you've pretty much emptied your hand in turn one and can control the game from there yeah i mean you said the two big decks that it's played in yeah i think you've forgotten one of the main decks at the moment that it's played in <laughs> Which is uh, the KCI deck. Oh, yeah. How could could I forget that? Uh, And you also described Lantern as one of the big decks. (laughs) I think that's just a lie. (laughs) That that is a lie. I mean, it it won a pro tour in the past 12 months. Yeah, 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 sure. It it used to be nuts. Uh, It's now just... Ah. Uh, Yeah, I'll concede to that, definitely. I'm sorry, but... but yeah, it also uh, yeah, it, I mean, it also just like powers the KCI deck, right? Yeah, Which absolutely. Is, like, yeah, I guess the current the new boogeyman of the format if you're playing artifacts. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's very much you know jumped into that place where well, Anton was where people hated playing against it, and it was just a a deck where you just don't do anything against it. Yeah, uh, well, they sit there and do their thing. So yeah, he's it, kind of essential in fueling that clock and ironworks combo deck uh, that yeah again like it, it can combo off as early as turn two and that's due to the power of mox opal due to the fact that it is just so easy to to get that mana uh it's she's playing in affinity sort of in both versions so obviously it's in the hardened scales version of affinity as well which is kind of like the new hotness for that deck uh it's yeah it's just so efficient like especially like 
again like in Affinity where you're playing like uh, like Weldon Jar and the main board, it's another zero mana artifact, you're playing four copies of Ornithopter, you're playing Memnite, like Signal Pest, and then obviously your land as well, like Darksteel Citadel as an artifact in itself. Yep. So if you've got one Darksteel Citadel, you've got a Mox Opal, and then you've got either like a Signal Pest, Hope Agaripa, Ornithopter, Memnite, mm-hmm. Vault Scourge in your hand, then there you go, you got the art- you know the artifacts turned on and turn one straight away. Yeah, I mean it's so it was the it was another attempt at them trying to fix Moxon, right? Yeah. So we had the original Mox, which busted. Yeah. Unsurprisingly. Uh, and then we had uh, Mox Diamond the, after that. No, I think Jeweled Amulet. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Which is an attempt, uh, which they made it. I, I don't think they made it powerful enough. Yeah. Uh, and then then we have Mox Diamond, which is uh, objectively very powerful. Yeah. And sort of a bit busted. Uh, and then I think this was the next one, right? Chromox after that. Oh, sure, Chromox, yeah, which is also inherently busted. Yeah. And they kept trying, they kept trying to do it, and just be like, oh, but how do we make this incredibly powerful card less powerful? Yeah, Chromox is banned in modern. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah that card's, uh, that's really good. Uh, and then we have Mox Opal, yeah. uh, which is, I think, just about on the right side. I don't know, I think I think you never do. Well, you've got Mox Amber, which is... Uh, yeah. That's... An embarrassing attempt to fix Mox. And... <laughs> I, I agree um... there. Yeah, I, I think that's it. I think like uh, Mox Opal is—it's one of those cards that is like obviously fantastic and overpowered in the decks that can play it. But there are not really a lot of decks that can play it. Yeah, I think that's the thing, and I think that's sort of why it's just about okay. Yeah. So I think what solidifies it as one of the, the power nine of the format is that it's been called to be banned so many times. Yes. <laughs> it's um, people just hate. It. I mean, because it's it's. It's mana acceleration for no cost. Like, it's cheating mana. Uh, and I think that defines something. I mean, when something's been called to be banned this many times, yeah. I think it sort of solidifies it as the, one of the most powerful cards in the format. Yeah, as well as the fact that it's it's a Moxon. Like, it has Moxon in the title, therefore it kind of just gets an auto-include. Yeah, it'd be disrespectful honest. not to include yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, totally. Sweet. Uh, so, the next card, I think, uh, is uh, all me. Yes, definitely. <laughs> so, my next card is Noble Hierarch. Yeah. Uh, which is uh, the best card in the format, and that's what I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so this is just... Uh, I think this is the best mana dork that isn't currently banned in every format. Um, it's... Oh, it just allows so much. So it allows you to cast... Uh, I mean, even, uh, so mana dorks in general are very, very powerful because they allow you, allow you, allow you to cast spells ahead of time. Yeah. Casting three drops on turn two is relatively powerful. Totally, yeah. Uh, so Noble Horror only allows you to produce white green or blue yeah which you'd think would be a restriction but it just doesn't matter because it still accelerates you yeah yeah and it has exalted and there's often a question between well why is why is Noble Horrocks so much better than Birds of Paradise which is like the next best man dog because yeah. no, no, no Birds of Paradise has flying and produces a matter of any colour um, but the exalted is just what tips it over the edge yeah, I think so. Like, I know we did have this, have that exact conversation about this this card. Like, mm-hmm. like Birds of Paradise was was another card that I had considered for this list at one point because mm-hmm. it is it's just a fantastic mana dork. Like, it has you know it's a flyer, tap for mana of any color. But yeah, like you're right. Like the the fact that this one only taps for green, white, or blue doesn't really matter because the only decks that again kind of want it really or already playing those colours anyway yeah exactly so you see it in the company decks which are almost always playing white and sometimes playing blue Um, and like yeah would you rather have a field of three birds of paradise or a field of three noble hierarchs yeah three noble hierarchs all day long yeah yeah because your hierarchs attacking for three then yeah Um, I mean this is uh, I think this is probably my most played card in modern currently 
the largest cast collects company on turn three, yeah. <laughs> which is very, very good. Um, not that the company decks are, are great right now, but I mean, this is just, it's just a defining card. Like, Manorix, if you're playing green, you're playing um, a Mana Dork. Yeah. And unless you're doing some kind of nonsense with Arbor Elves and Utopia's Brawls, you're playing Overheart because it's it's just it's just the best because it just it, the exalted is very relevant because it it, it can add to your clock, um, and it could just be a threat in itself. Like you can just attack for one. Yeah, if you just look at any deck that's playing like Ensnaring Bridge, like Noble Hierarch just gets through that. Like it's a zero one, so it attacks right under that bridge, pumps itself, gets in for one. Doesn't matter how many cards they have in their hand or not. Yeah, I mean I've definitely won games where my opponent has slammed them Ensnaring Bridge, assumed that that's just sort of won the game for them and I'll just attack for three because I have three Noble Hierarchs to play. <laughs> yeah, and I have absolutely been on the other side of that where, like, I'll have the Lantern Lock in place, I'll have, like, no cards in my hand, but they've got a Noble Hierarch that I can't deal with. Oh, well, that's it, I've lost the game. Yeah, exactly. It's just it's it's just a very, very powerful card on, on all fronts. And, like, you get to do stuff, like, just Mana Dorks in general, but you get you get to do stuff like uh, turn one Noble Hierarch, turn two Lin and Arbiter, Ghost Quarter your land. Yeah. And you don't get to search because um, Lin and Arbiter, like, it's just very good. And then that Lin and Arbiter attacks for three. <laughs> um, it's just it's just very, very powerful. And, like, I've definitely noticed the difference between playing decks with Burns Paradise and with Noble Hierarch. Yeah. Because, you know, there's, like, people... Because, I mean, they're incredibly expensive. Oh, yeah. When you look at, like, for what they are, like, they're very, yeah. very expensive. Um, I mean, it's, like, 300 bucks for a playset at this point. Yeah. Um, but people have, like, played budget versions of decks where they're playing Burns Paradise instead of maybe, like, some Madison's programs. Yeah. Um, and you just you really do notice the difference. Like it can the exalted can like shave a turn off your clock. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, and stuff like that. And it's it's just it's a card I will always play. <laughs> yeah, it's um, absolutely fantastic card. And like yeah, like you know, I, I knew there there had to be some sort of like you know mana dork like on there. Uh, yeah. Noble hierarchy is it's it's just the one we've had. We've had many conversations about it, and yeah, it is absolutely the best one that there is in the game. Yeah, it is my favorite card in the format. Awesome, one hundred percent sweet. So next next cool. card. Yeah, next up we've got a card that I'm a little bit more familiar with than Noble mm. Hierarch, and that's just Lightning Bolt. Mm. Great. It's pretty good against Noble Hierarch. <laughs> it is pretty good against Noble Hierarch. It's good against anything really to be honest like it yeah i i guess it kind of like fills the slot that ancestral recall would in like the original power like one mana do three as it is you know part of the original boon cycle like sure yeah lightning bolt one red mana instant uh deal three damage to one target yeah i mean it's just yeah it's it's been i mean it's been in magic since magic was created yeah yeah it's proven itself to be uh very very powerful and very very balanced at the same time absolutely yeah it's one of the cards that they just got i mean the same with burst paradise but it's one of the cards they got like perfectly right from the very start yeah. um and has always been a role player in regard like it's played in every format that it's legal in yeah absolutely uh, and it's just it, i mean it defines an entire archetype in burn yeah uh and it, it it's just it's i think so it's, a, it's a difficult conversation to have but i think it's probably Back up there is the best removal spell in the format. Um, it's <laughs> because of the application that you can just send it upstairs. Yeah, um, like it, it, it's definitely in the debate for sure. Um, I, I wouldn't say it's the best removal spell in the format, but I think it's, it's definitely one of the most powerful. Yeah, it's just, it's, it, it's just a really iconic card. You said it was originally printed in alpha. It's 
been printed like a million times yet it's still you know three four dollars or whatever like mm-hmm. uh, absolutely fantastic card really really simple design the flavor is just on point and yeah like any deck that is running red will be running the place that lightning bolts absolutely uh and i think this i mean you've got so many cards that are just sort of a rip off of it yeah oh yeah <laughs> They've they've tried to, like every 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 red burns by you compare to lightning bolt right yeah. so uh, lava spike you compare it to yeah it's like lava spike isn't as good because it's sorcery and can't hit creatures it's just it's just so much worse um, lightning strike which is like sort of the uh, the current version that we have yeah and that card is still very very playable oh, yeah um, but it's two mana instead of one and you just you have so many so many versions of lightning bolt. And yeah, this is just uh, objectively the most powerful. Even just like the concept of like using a spell to deal damage to a creature, just mm-hmm. be like, "I'll oh, bolt that." Like even if it's not lightning bolt, if it's like you know, like lightning strike or something, like what you say, like. Yeah, um, I mean that's the thing. It's it's become it's become um, ubiquitous for for that kind of effect. Like yeah. when you, when you uptick an Ugin the Spirit Dragon, which is an eight mana colorless card, yeah. you say bolt you or bolt that. Like, yeah, totally. <laughs> despite the fact that it is not red, it is not an instant. Yeah. <laughs> it has nothing to do with lightning. Um, it's, it's just become, yeah, like Lightning Bolt, the card has just become ubiquitous with burn spells and it is the original and the best burn spell. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's, yeah, because of that, like, because it is just such an iconic card and it just sees so much play in, in the format in general. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, we had that GP we discussed, like, a fair few weeks ago now, and we went through, like, the list of, like, the mo- the cards that were most played, mm-hmm. like, uh, in that event, and, like, Lightning Bolt was, like, by far the, the most played card. Yeah, it just, like... I would say, like, it's, like, outside of, like, obviously Basic Lands or whatever, it's probably it's probably just going to be the most played card in, like, any tournament you go to. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, I mean, it's something I probably should have said about Noble Hierarch, is that it's the most played creature in the format. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Um but yeah it's just it's the most played card and I think there was there was a time um, I think I guess <laughs> spoiler alert that Fatal Push isn't on this list yeah. um, but there was a, there was a time where Fatal Push just had surpassed it as the removal spell yeah for sure um, and the decks that were playing both black and red were playing four pushes and two bolts yeah. and so like, like the Death Shadow deck was like trimming on bolts to play more pushes yeah uh, because you had stuff like Colleen's Command as well but I think it's just risen back up and it's just and it's like when it's not a removal spell, you can just hit your opponent for three, and you can yeah, just win totally. again. Win again by bowling your opponent for three. Yeah, even now, just like looking at like the list, uh, using MTG Goldfish. Look at the the most played cards in modern. Uh, Lightning Bolt has thirty three percent, so it's played in thirty six percent of the decks in the format. Yeah, it Lightning just, Bolt's um, the most played card in the format, and like obviously it's the most played spell as well. Yeah, I mean you can't. I don't think you'll find a red deck that isn't playing it. Yeah, I mean, like, like an actual red deck is like okay, it's sure, sure. So like, KCI is playing some red mana, but yeah. <laughs> it's not playing lightning bolt. But like, actual red decks, like you know, Jund, Grixis, Jesko, like they're all playing lightning bolt. Yeah, absolutely. Um, because it's just that busted. <laughs> it's just great. It's just a great that's, card. Like, yeah, I, 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 th- I think, it's not yeah, busted. yeah, that's it. I, I think like lightning bolt would easily make my list of like. You know, if if I had to like make a list of like the best magic cards ever, like mm-hmm. of all time, like full stop, like Lightning Bolt would definitely be in strong contention for being very high, if not even at the top of that list. Like yeah, everything, I mean, everything about it is just spot on. I mean, it beats the actual best card in magic, which is Birds of Paradise <laughs> <laughs> or Noble Hierarch, which yeah, sure, sure. Um, but yeah, Bolt's just—I mean, it just has to be there, right? Yeah, it's, just, it's, it's obviously going to be one of the power nine. Yeah. 
Uh, and our next card is a great combo with it. It is, yeah. <laughs> uh, so the next card is Snapcaster Mage. Yes. Uh, bolt Snap Bolt. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, Snapcaster Mage is just, just the best blue card, right? It's yeah. the best blue card in the format. Hands down. Um, it's just... It, it, uh, I think it may have been a mistake. Mm. I think it should be a red card. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just it's just it's, just, it's a defining it's a defining card in um, in so many archetypes. It makes it just makes blue decks work. Um, yeah. When when Del was playable in the format, but blue red Del was the best deck in the format. Snapcaster Major is great because you get to <clears throat> you get to snap back bolts, yeah. which is incredibly good. Um, and you get to snap back cat spells, and just if you if your opponent's playing blue and they have six mana open and they can snap back snap cat back can snap caster back a cryptic command. Yeah, it's just nuts. Um, yeah, absolutely. It's just the fact that you can turn your graveyard into like a like a proper resource at you know, pretty much any point in the game as long as you have the mana to, to pay for the spell. Yeah, and absolutely. Yeah, the fact that it, it has flash just makes it like ridiculous. Like you can. You know, end turn, flash it in. I'll cast this. I'll draw a card. I'll counter that or whatever. Or like, even if you just need to like, you know, flash it in as a chump blocker. Like, it works absolutely fine then. If you just like, oh, you know, flash it in, block here, uh, target this card in my graveyard that'll like draw me some cards, draw some cards, and trade with your thing. Like, mm-hmm. it's so versatile. That's another thing as well. Just like it was like like in in old Splinter Twin decks. It was often just the main win condition. Yeah. <laughs> just flashing the snapcaster to target this bolt to bolt you and then just two you every turn. Yeah. And it becomes the win condition in so many decks where they don't, like, it just has no business being that because it's just a two one, but it just gets there because it seems like a ridiculous thing to waste a removal spell. And it, it, it it's just a card that you play because it's so good because flashing back spells is very powerful. Yeah. And there's just a two one on the field that's just attacking you for two every turn. Yeah, totally. Or you can just use it as an ambush viper. Um, <laughs> I've definitely lost creatures to a snapcaster mage, or just like thought I had a lethal attack, and they managed to like they cast a snapcaster, it chump blocked, and then that was enough for them to buy the win in the game. It's just it's just such a stupid card. Yeah, for sure. It's such a stupid card. And again, going back to that list of uh, most players played cards in modern on uh, MTG Goldfish, it currently is the ninth most played card in modern, and it's the second uh, most played creature in modern. Uh, so obviously just behind Noble Hierarch, which is the first at the moment. Yeah, um, and it's, I mean, to, to, like, for that to be the second most played creature in the format, considering it's so specific, like it's in a spell stack, yeah. um, so you have to be running it along. So I mean, often it's, I mean, it has been before, just the only creature in the deck. Yeah. Just four snapcast from Agents. Because you don't need anything else, because it, it it's, it's, it's copies five through eight of every spell in your deck. Yeah, totally. Um, and it's also just a two-one <laughs> <laughs> that just gets to kill things and kill your opponent. Yeah. I've lost to so many snapcaster mages. Yeah, I haven't uh, really lost to that many in modern, but certainly in like legacy and vintage, like I've I've just lost to snapcaster beats. Oh, absolutely! Like it's, it's a legitimate win condition. Yeah, like it's plan A of most of these decks. It's yeah. just bolts that bolt you attack you with this two-one. Yeah. Um, and I mean, it's it's yes, it's the fact that it's so efficient, the fact that it's two mana. Oh, what was the name of the person that designed it? Tiago Chan. That's the one. Yeah. God bless Tiago Chan. Yeah. Um, and that speaking of correct arts, that will always be the correct oh, art. Oh yeah, there's yeah. All, all the new ones are horrendous. <laughs> yeah, they are. Like I mean, as pieces of art, like they're not that bad. But I think like any of the the invitational cards, they absolutely should have just kept repainting them with the original art. 
yeah, yeah. Um, just a smug little face looking at me as I die to it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's always the way. I, it, so I swear to God, if I ever met that guy, I'd be so annoyed. <laughs> just because of the amount of loss to that card. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's just the best blue spell in the format. Yeah, it's great. Um, because it covers with all the other cards. Yeah, all the other blue cards. I love Snapcaster Mage. I hate Snapcaster Mage. <laughs> I have cast so few Snapcaster Mage. It's just not my playstyle, but yeah. you, you know that it's just... It's just, it's just nuts. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, speaking uh, of so, other cards, which are, are just nuts. Uh, yeah. Yeah. The next card is Tarmogoyf. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Uh, so Tarmogoyf is uh, again like I'm kind of like where you are with Snapcaster on on this. Like I have very very rarely ever played a Tarmogoyf. Mm-hmm. It's not really my kind of play style at all. But I absolutely respect the Tarmogoyf. Like that card. I mean, not so much recently. Uh, or I guess since the printing of Fatal Push really but mm-hmm. for a long time the card has been just the real deal in modern absolutely I mean this for a long time was the best blue creature <laughs> yeah absolutely <laughs> um, it's just yeah, it's, it was just the best creature in the format it was it, it defined the format like if we're talking about Liliana being like the face of the format like Tarmogoyf you think of modern and for so long you felt it's what Tarmogoyf Oh yeah, absolutely. Like um, because it, it it's it's powerful when you just play the game. Yeah. Like so, because it's modern, so you're gonna play fetch lands, you're gonna play sorceries, you're gonna play instants. Some creatures are gonna go to graveyard. Yeah. And you're just randomly gonna have a two mana four five. Yeah. Um, which is bananas. Um, and I really think like I think this is we had this discussion with like so the original Power Nine has Time Twister on it. Yes. Which has is is outclassed by other cards. Oh yeah, uh, absolutely. It's so I think the Tarmogoyf is sort of our modern version of that card, where yeah. at one point it was, you know, one of the most powerful cards. I mean, it still is very powerful, but it's just it's been outclassed by the by the the, the complexion of the format. Yeah, uh, I think there's many reasons for that, but it, it's it's just undeniably an incredibly powerful card. Yeah, it, again, like if you go back to like you know Liliana and stuff like being like the face of modern, like Tarmogoyf is equally that like. You know, it's been in all of the modern master sets. Mm-hmm. They could reprint Tarmogoyf time and time again, and it's still going to like retain a decent value. Like, yeah, uh, it's nowhere near its peak now, which is absolutely fantastic. And um, I mean, yeah, it's one of those things where you look at like the price of cards, and obviously, supply and demand are a thing. But obviously, the the power level and like the demand of the cards, in the case of like modern cards, are what really sort of drive the price. And the fact yeah. that Tarmogoyfs were like two hundred dollars each at one point, yeah, really, really kind of like indicates that yeah, this this is a very good card. It's very powerful. Yeah, absolutely. Like that's the thing. It's it's uh, it's equal parts iconic and powerful. Yeah, and that sort of defines like a, a sort of power nine level card. Absolutely. Um, and uh, it's just it's just the fact that it, you so I say like it just gets bigger from playing the game. Yeah. Uh, um, and then you know you can you can do stuff like you can play. Um, like your tribal cards or you're like a seal of fire to get an enchantment in the graveyard yeah um to like properly capitalize on it um but it's it's just so efficient because you go you know turn one thought seize turn two tarmogoyf turn three liliana it's just yeah totally um it's just so efficient and i mean it doesn't die to lightning bolt which was uh, i think probably still is the most powerful remember the format um and the fact that it's got uh, an asymmetrical power and toughness as well. Yeah, is just quite. I don't know. There's just always been something about that. Um, but I think 
recently. I mean, it would, it would we'd be remiss to not talk about its demise. Yeah, <laughs> I think, like you said, like Fatal Push really beat up this card. Yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah, like you've always had like decent black removal spells. Like, you know, like Doomblade was always a thing. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, like it's Fatal Push. You get rid of that like one extra mana that Doom, you know, Doomblade costs. It really, it just does a surprising amount of work, and I think Fatal Push really was the, the sort of demise of Tomograph. Really, like if you, I think, I don't know if it, if if it is Fatal Push alone. I think it's kind of like that perfect storm of like the sort of strategies and the meta of the the format sort of changing and evolving with time, combined with oh now we have a a one mana removal spell that efficiently deals with Tomograph in another colour mm-hmm. I think it was kind of like the final nail in the coffin really for the poor goif yeah I agree and I, I think like I think the demise started a little bit soon I, I honestly think the printing of the delve creatures in Tassiga and yeah. uh, yeah, like really because sort of the the sort of normal size for a Tarmogoyf in inverted commas is uh, 4 or 5 right yeah. Because it's uh, creature, instant sorcery, land. Because yeah. those are the four creature, ty- like the four card types that normally end up in the bin. Yeah. So if you can just make a four or five without having to go through any of those things in a, in a Tassica, or you can just make a five five, which will just profitably block it. Yeah. Um, and you know the delve the delve cards are the cards that also just not get bigger, but like become castable by playing the game. Yeah, totally. Um, and I think those have just sort of supplanted it because you get to cast those for one mana. Yeah. And a one mana five five is probably better than a two mana five six. Yeah. Um, and also, I mean, you have to do work normally to get a two mana five six. Yeah, totally. Um, so it's unfortunate, you know. Tomagoyf. It used to be like the card. Like when I first got into modern, I was like, oh my god, you own Tomagoyf? That's incredible. Yeah. And now someone plays Tomagoyf. I'm like, you're playing Tomagoyf. What are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> um, and I mean, the, like the green deck. So it's it was it's it's the staple card in in junk decks and junk decks. Yeah. And those have really fallen off. Yeah, definitely. Um, those just don't seem playable at the moment. Yeah, that's it. I think I think that's what I was kind of like, you know, leaning to when I said like the, the format as a whole has sort of like evolved and, and sort of changed over time. Uh, I think like, you know, they are still reasonable decks. Like you could take to a GP, and as long as you dodge your bad matchups, like you know, yeah, you might be able to top eight it or something. Like or mm-hmm. you know, someone like like Reed Duke for example could easily play like Absan at a GP do one mm-hmm. with the top 8 of it yeah but I think for, like for your average player at like an FNM I think th- yeah the format's just in a completely different place to to what it was when when Tomagoyf was king yeah that's the thing I think the green decks just don't want that anymore like yeah. there are no green decks that want a Tomagoyf yeah uh, because previously green was the like Tomagoyf is the reason to play green yeah Um, and now because you don't get anything else with it, and it just dies a fatal push, it it's not the best thing you can be doing. Like you'd rather be playing a guy like Anglin. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I mean, green doesn't really offer much else for those sorts of decks, like a Abruptica, I guess, if you're playing it with black. Yeah. But outside of that, you rarely see like the next green card you see is like the back half of Ancient Grudge. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I just the time isn't right for time. But maybe I don't. I'm not sure if it'll ever get back to where it was. Yeah, I. I think I might agree agree with you there. Like, like obviously, you know, time will tell, and we'll see what happened. But I think there would need to be some sort of major shakeup of the format for Tom Goff to ever really be 
sort of restored to its former glory. Yeah, but I, I do. Shame. Yeah, I, I do think you know, going back to like the time twister thing, like that. You know, it it does still absolutely deserve a list, uh, deserve a, a spot on the list because it it is such such an iconic card and such a at one point was such a you know ubiquitous card for the format. Absolutely, um, and that, that's the thing. Like, it, you know, it was the format at one point. Yeah, right. Like, it was the format. Yeah. Um, and just because it's not like that anymore doesn't mean we can forget about how powerful it was. Totally. So now we move on to uh, what might be the best removal spell. In the yeah, format. this is what I think is the best removal spell in the format. And I probably should, considering it's a removal spell I exclusively play. That <laughs> is a path to exile. Yes. Uh, this is a very powerful card. Yeah, it's a sort of, I guess, fixed version of Source to Plowshares. Yeah, totally. Um, and it's just, it's just um, a complete answer to everything. Yes, yeah. it, there's no restrictions. You can target. Oh, Source doesn't have hexproof or shroud. Um, you can target anything. You can remove anything, regardless of the mana cost or regardless of the side of the power and toughness. Yeah, it's just nice and clean. Just mm-hmm. one mana, instant remove target creature from the game. It's controller may search his or her library for a basic land card, but that into play tapped and shuffle his or her library. Yeah, it just it just answers everything. And like the exile is very very relevant. Yes. Um, so you get stuff like dredge, where they want creatures in their graveyard. Uh, just stuff like I mean, it's just relevant. Like stuff. Okay, it's time to decks. Yeah, <laughs> um, totally. It's it's always relevant to just cleanly remove the card. Um, and obviously, there's there's play to it. So it's not as good as lightning bolt in that if you hit a mana dork with path to exile, you've basically done nothing. Yeah. <laughs> because they still get to untap with three mana. And obviously, you can't just you know go up, go upstairs and hit them for three with path to exile. Like exactly. Yeah, anything. Yeah. I think I think I think that was my. That was my consideration for thinking the bolt is better than path because it has that versatility. Yeah, I, I think like as just like a magic card, like it's like a you know as an instant. Yeah, sure, because you, you're right, it is more versatile. But I think just as removal, I think path to exile is is just a better removal card. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just it's a clean answer that like there are no questions about it. Like you just you just get to remove a creature. Yeah, um, and that's important. I like any any. Any white deck wants that. Yeah, um, absolutely. You you aren't playing white like, like the same with, with you aren't playing red without lightning bolt. There was a time where you know playing last lightning bolts was correct, but you're not playing a white deck without four path to exiles. Yeah. At least so, well, some path to exiles are in the seventy five because there is like some court of calling decks that don't have room in the main decks that play on the sideboard. Sure. Um, but any kind of deck wants it. So an aggro deck wants it. A combo deck wants it because you just you just need them. Um, and control decks obviously want them. Because it's just a very efficient answer, yeah. Um, and I think it it just it does. I mean, I think it defines white's color identity. Yeah, I in, think so. In in modern, yeah. It's a very strange design card, though. Like getting a land, yeah, it is very strange. I mean, I, I guess it's you know it, it is like you said meant to be kind of like the you know the modern equivalent of like the, what, the fixed version or whatever of, of like swords to plowshares. Mm-hmm. I, I think. You know, it 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 does that. It has that same sort of effect of you getting rid of the creature, but you are like not quite giving your opponent an advantage. But it's not just like a straight up disadvantage by them <coughs> losing that creature. Whereas yeah. I think like Swords to Plowshares, like you know, majority of the time it doesn't really matter <coughs> how much health your opponent's on. Like if you're winning the game, you're going to win the game. It doesn't matter. Yeah, and I think I think it is honestly a very skill-intensive card, like uh, yeah. understanding when to play it and why to play it, because there's definitely games I've won. Yeah. 
where my opponent has path to exile my creature and I need a land more than I needed a massive creature yeah. to kill my opponent with. Like, I needed to cast... I mean, I'm going to go talk from personal experience. Like, I needed the time to cast Skeleton Company, which won me the game. Yeah. Um, or, like, you know, I've, I've cast them and my opponent needed a Fortland for Crypt Command and that, that won them the game. Like, it's it requires so much thought and it's not it's not just a case of, I'll just pass that, that's fine. Like, yeah. like in a case of Lightning Bolt, which I'll just bolt that, that's fine. Or Fatal Push, that, that's worth it. Like, it, it adds, like, a wrinkle to the game, which I think makes it very important and I think it's why it's sort of a perfectly balanced card like in terms of removal spell yeah um, so it's a clean answer but it has a drawback and I think that makes it very important because the drawback is, can be very very real sometimes yeah um, definitely but I mean it's just it, it's it, it's currently it's, going back to like empty goldfish as well like it's it, out of the most cards played in modern uh, cards played most in modern it is currently the second most played card in modern after lightning bolt Sure, I mean so that, makes, that makes sense. Yeah, above noble hierarch, like yeah, yeah, and I mean, I think that just speaks to it, like because I think when you're getting into modern, you just sort of want to make the most. That's just something what I did. You just make the most powerful deck. Yeah, uh, and you put a, a good, the good creatures in or whatever. Like it, I think on the surface of it, it doesn't seem like a reasonable card to put in your main deck. Yeah, full cards. Does that make it like? To put removal spells on your main deck sort of says a lot about the format that that just seems to be something that you have to do. Yeah. Um, so rather than you know sideboarding into Path to Exiles because you're playing a creature matchup, you have them in your main deck because you know you're playing against creatures and you know those cards are going to be clutch. Like, yeah, sure. Um, and I think just the fact the fact that this very in its design is a very narrow card, right? Like because it, it, it deals with creatures yeah. and that doesn't interrupt with any other part of the game. Um, but that just sort of proves it, it, it defines modern in the fact that you have to have Path to Exile just to be creatures because at least with Lightning Bolt you can go upstairs but don't have creatures yeah true um, and I think this and Fatal Push fill that role was like you have to have removal spells in your main deck because that's how modern works and how it's always worked and I think Path to Exile is the best example of that because I mean it's stood the test of time not that Fatal Push won't but it's always been there and will always be um Oh, yeah, a very reliable card. Yeah, for sure. I agree with that. Um, and it is, I mean, the removal spell I've cast more than any other removal spell. Yeah, it's, it's great. It's just a great card. Like I say, I do, I do fully think that it is the best removal spell in the format. It might not be the best spell, but it's the best removal spell, definitely. Yeah, I agree. Cool. Sweet. So that brings us to another card, which I think could, it could even could even be considered a good removal spell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, Thoughtseize. So it's one black for a sorcery. Target player reveals her hand. You choose a non-land card from it. That player discards that card. You lose two life. So this is sort of... I mean, this is the best effect of this we have, right? Absolutely, yeah. It's the best duress effect we have. Um, and I mean, I think that's I think that's something to be said. So with Lightning Bolt, you compare everything... You repair every spell that looks like that to Lightning Bolt. Yeah. Because uh, that was the original and that was the best one. Um, whereas I think in terms of targeted hand disruption duress is the first right um i think so yeah. it reveals their hand and you remove a card yeah um but you say thoughtseize for those those type of effects um i think because thoughtseize takes any card um and i think that that's it, it defines that effect right you, you get to thoughtseize someone yeah um if you want to shortcut shortcut someone discarding a card like a target discard discard spell you say thoughtseize it yeah um and this is sort of like 
this is the BS checker of the format. <laughs> yeah, in the same way that like Force of Will is the BS checker of Legacy, where you just have to play it. Yeah, I think Thoughtseize sort of like performs that role in Modern, uh, where it it you don't it, it just it, you get you get to see your opponent's hand, you get to take the biggest threat, you get to evaluate the game the gameplay. Yeah, it definitely. just does so much. Yes, so many so many games have just been kind of just decided on like turn one Thoughtseize. Mm-hmm. You get to see what your opponent has, and you just get to take their best card. In the deck, you get to play around sort of how they were going to play their turns out, and you get to you know you just get that information so you know if it's safe to to play you, you know, what you were going to do or do you need to change your plans. Uh, and again, like I'd say, it's it's almost removal in a way as well because you can take that creature, you can take their planeswalker, you know, you can take whatever the most powerful card is at that moment in the game. Yeah, that's the thing, and you don't always have to take the most powerful card. So you can you can see that hand, and they can have. And that's about Sun's Champion. Like, well, that's the most powerful card. That's going to kill me. But yeah. you you take like uh, the path to Exile because it's going to kill your creature. Yeah. And it requires so much play in order to like for that card to be good. Yeah, definitely. Like it, again, just in, in any deck that's running black, like you'll be running Thoughtseize. That's probably a playset across the seventy-five. Like you know, if you're not playing one in the main, if you're not playing all four in the main deck, you'll definitely play some in your sideboard. Yeah, like it's it's main deck also. Like the the black decks have always. Uh, main deck to it. Yeah. And because it's just so... It's, it's never a dead card. Yeah, totally. Well, I mean, sometimes it can be if your opponent's kept a terrible hand for lands, but um, it's never a dead like, it's Yeah, always, but you're, you're, not, you're not losing that game, are you, though? <laughs> exactly, if they've kept all lands. Yeah, um, and, and they, they can't bluff. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, and that, that's that's the thing. Like, it, it, so, so you get to take their best card or you get to poke a hole in their mana curve yeah. or you get to poke a hole in their game plan. Yeah. Um, but... You also get to know their hand. Yeah, totally. You get to write down what their hand was, and you get to know what was in their hand, um, and you can play around that, and you can not play into their counter spell, or you can hold a removal spell for their creature. Um, and I mean, the fact that you lose two life is just basically—I mean, it's, sometimes it's a, uh, a positive if you're playing Death Shadow. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think it's just one of the one defining cards of the format, and will always will always see play, even when. Uh, Inquisition of Kozlak was better. You still play Thorsies. Yeah, I would agree there definitely. Like again, going back to that MTG Goldfish list, it's currently the fourth most played card in modern. What really? It's, yeah, that's actually surprising. Yeah, just after Noble Hierarch. Like I think I think oh, it okay. is because so many decks that are playing it are running four copies of it. Mm-hmm. Because that just that turn one Thorsies can just change so many things. Yeah, absolutely. Like it it can change complete game plans and like. There's so many there's so many hands that you you draw when you start a game. You think, okay, well the hand's good, but if if they have a thoughtsies, I just I lose. Yeah, because they can just poke a hole in your hand and you just can't recover from it from it. Um, and I suppose it's like as the game progresses, it can get worse. Like if you're both just top decking, it's terrible. Um, but it's not particularly a dead draw because you can it it can always be a spell that can disrupt your opponent. Yeah, for sure. And that's always going to be an important an important effect. Yeah, Thoughtseize is it's just a great card. Yeah, I think that that's that's all that can be said about <laughs> <Yeah>. it. <laughs> We're just talking circles in it. I think it's it's great. It's super powerful. It's super annoying at times, but I, you know, it's also iconic and absolutely deserves a, a spot on this list. I think. Yeah, definitely. Cool. So, our last card. Yes. Might be a bit of a contentious one. I think. Yeah, I, th- I think some people might have to have some opinions on it. So I think this is a relative newcomer, but I think it definitely deserves a place. So last card is Ancient Stirrings. Yes. Uh, this is the best cantrip in modern. <laughs> I agree. 100%. Which feels weird considering it's green. Yeah. But it has always been a player. So 
we see like currently it's played in the artifact decks, right? Yes. They're all colourless, so you play it in Clark Crack Crock, Clan Ironware decks. Yeah. Where you literally can't miss because the only coloured spell in your deck is Ancient Stones. Yeah. <laughs> it's Ancient <Stones laughs> itself. Um and it was uh before that it's always been played in Tron. Yep. Um just one of the like one of the cards that sort of held that deck together. Yeah, um, definitely. Like in Tron it's like there are two, uh, you know, there are two coloured spells in the deck. One of them's Ancient Stirrings, the other one's Sylvan uh, Scrying. Yeah. And obviously, they're they're both essentially doing the same thing. Like they're helping you find like your Tron lands you know, mm-hmm. as fast as possible. Or you find a Khan. Yeah. Um. Um. And they're just so good. Like it, it digs five deep. Yeah. Which is nuts. Yeah. And it, like, if you if you're building your deck correctly, it's the same thing I said about Path to Exile. Like you build your deck with Path to Exile in, uh, in it because <clears throat> you have to deal with the format. Like you have to have main deck removal spells. Yeah. Um. So with Age of Stones, you build your deck because Age of Stones is busted. Yeah. Uh, if it's in the right deck, and it's the same. Like so, we've, we've got. So I, I, uh, last week I compared it to Faithless Looting. Yeah, for sure. In what's the best cantrip? And I think it's the best cantrip in the context of the deck. Yeah. So I guess in a vacuum, the best cantrip is probably Serum Visions because Possibly, it, yeah. or Opt. Yeah. Because it's you know it's just a straight up uh, do a thing, draw a card, or draw a card, do a thing. Yeah, you know, like yeah, it's not card advantage, but it's you know it's raw card selection. Yeah. But in terms of when you actually put them into decks and, and play them uh, within the context of the format and you build a deck around them, they then Ancient Stirrings is objectively the most powerful. Yeah, definitely. In the same way that Faithless Looting is better than Opt because you're doing it to do busted things in that deck. Yeah, totally. Like The, the decks that want those cards, the downside of those cards aren't a downside in those mm-hmm. decks because they play directly into sort of the strategies of, of those decks or what those decks are trying to do. Yeah. Uh, and you fact, just, you, you never miss. Yeah, <laughs> the absolutely. Decks yeah. You never miss. The, the fact that you get to go five deep, five cards deep for like one green mana is like, it's ridiculous and it's not something that you would ever see in, in modern magic design, I don't think. Yeah, it's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I mean, it's, it's also play, like, I think it's the currently one of the most represented spells like you know because it's it's in the KCR deck it's in yeah. it's in Tron decks it's in Tron it's in Lantern it's, it's in whatever yeah it's in the Hardened Scales deck because yeah. you're playing green, green anyway um, and it just it just finds everything yeah. um, I, it's just it's very very powerful and I think it's going to take I know also like it's been in contention for being banned <laughs> yeah definitely it, when, whenever anything whenever anything happens where Tron makes a top 8 where there's like a single <laughs> Tron deck in a top 8 of a tournament or like Lenton wins the Pro Tour or like you know Affinity does well enough at a tournament that's you know, instantly people are like oh you know Interstarians has to go like ban it ban it ban it like it's one of those cards you see so many people get so vocal about just banning the card. Yeah, like it's. It, I think when a card, this hype for banning ancient stirrings is not something we've seen since the hype for banning twin. Yeah, totally. And I think the people that were clamouring for twin to be banned were wrong. <laughs> I think uh, yeah, agree. Yeah. Was a mistake. Yep. But um, which is why Splinter Twin is not on this list, unfortunately, because it's yeah, not it absolutely. Would, yeah, I don't think it even would be. I, I think, know, I think it would be. I line. think it would be. I think the best card in the deck was Snapcaster Mage. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, I mean, I think, yeah, I think Lightning Bolt and Snapcaster Mage are both better cards than the Splinter Twin deck. Yeah. That's why I think Splinter Twin is fine in the format, because I just don't think it. Just, um, I don't know. I think, I think at some point we'll do a whole episode on Twin. Yeah. I, I have some strong feelings about Splinter Twin. 
I mean, I have one strong feeling, and it is unban it because it's fine. <laughs> I share that feeling. <laughs> um, and I hate Splinter Twin. Yeah. <laughs> like, as someone that played decks that were terrible to Splinter Twin. I played Tron at the time, like, you know. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and I just played Dirtly Creature decks. Yeah. Like, just one on top four if I didn't have a path to exile. Uh, anyway, <laughs> so, like, eight, eight inches doing, yeah, it's just, it's... We haven't had that sort of like hype for banning a card since then, yeah, I don't think. Um, and it's it's part of decks that people always want banned. Like it's part of the affinity deck, which people always, yeah. for some reason, want to get banned as well. The fact it just dies to Stony Silence. Yeah, it's, uh, it's big part, part of the KCI deck. People want banned. It's part of Tron, which people always hate because Magic players are. I, I don't. I really, really don't understand the hate for Tron. That's like the the one thing I do not understand in Magic is just just the level of hatred that Tron gets, and it's like, like, like why? Like it's I not, think... it's not you know, it's not countering your spells. It's not not letting you play magic. Like, yeah, sure. Like you get to have seven mana on turn <clears> three, <throat> but some decks you get like three mana on turn one. Like, yeah, I think I think the thing with Tron is it's once it closes the door, it is near impossible to open that door again. Once they slam the turn three card, like it's very difficult to, to recover from. Yeah, but I... I think the same can be said about a lot of cards and a lot of decks, though. Absolutely, and I, I think it was part of the Splinter Twin problem. Yeah. So, oh, my opponent just played turn 3 to Seabrook, so I come in turn 4, Splinter Twin, and I lost the game. It's like, okay, well, you had an Abrupt Decay in hand, why did you tap out? Yeah. Um, and I think the thing, like, the thing with Tron is it's it's very beatable. Oh, yeah, absolutely. If you're willing to, it's like the same with Affinity. Like, Affinity's busted. Yeah. The Hardened Scales is blistering and fast, and it's completely busted. Yeah. And you play a Stone in turn 2, and they can't win the game. Yeah. Uh, with KCI, it's a very similar thing. You play a Stone of Science and they can't they can't win the game. Yeah. Uh, or you play a Kataki and they have a really really hard time winning the game. With Tron, if you play Ghost Quarters in your deck, it's, or like you play Blood Moon, it's you're just probably going to have a good time. Any one of like the you know fifteen Tron hoses they've printed in the past year, like exactly. Like yeah. it's just so beatable. And I think uh, I don't want to alienate some of our potential listeners, yeah. but I think it's so problem we like Magic players in general like have a really hard time evaluating things, and they would much rather just get a car completely out of there and finding a way to beat it. Yeah. And then some pro will write an article about the ways to beat this card and they'll be like, oh, it's fine. Because, <laughs> like, some, like I, I would not be surprised if at some point, like, um, someone at PV writes an article in a couple of months saying, this is how you beat KCI. Yeah. And it kills the deck dead and we're all fine again. Yeah. Maybe. And it's just, it's just, it's, it's that sort of nature um, of, of, of the format. And I mean, ugh. I would like. I've said it at the top of the show, but like, I hate this format so much currently. Uh, yeah, I, I I have a real a real love hate relationship with modern. Like at, at times, like, I think when modern's good, it is just like the best format. Like undeniably like, the best format. Like around the Pro Tour, um, the Lantern one. Yeah, that was. I think that was one of the strongest positions modern's been in for a while. Yeah, um, I, I think I agree with you there. Like everything. It like you know, like the format just felt really diverse, and it felt like genuinely you know you could show up to an F and M with like anything as long as it was like you know a good deck and you know you could win. Uh, Landon won a Pro Tour, like yeah. How, how did that happen? Like you know, yeah. I mean, like that's the thing. When when the two decks in the finals of a Pro Tour are Lantern, which is a degenerate nonsense, which isn't playing Magic, yeah, <clears throat> and Mardu Pyromancer, which is some of the fairest Magic you can possibly play, yeah. like. Um, that's just when you know that the format's in a great place because you can do the degenerate combo nonsense that everyone hates, or you can do the fair stuff where you're just playing cards as they're printed. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I think this is the, my, my thing with modern is like it has sort of the card pool that I like the most. Mm. It has um, the restrictions and the bans and the legality of everything that I want to do. Yeah. 
everything I want to do is unplayable uh, because there's so many like humans is the best deck where it's just aggressive and tempo and disruptive and stupid or affinity which is just you just can't beat if you're too slow um, or the KCI deck where you just have to sit there 15 minutes while your opponent combos off yeah. which I don't think is a problem <laughs> but um, you know like it, it's and it's so often determined by the dice roll that start the game I think that's part of my problem uh like I think I'd rather play vintage at this point. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, I, I yeah. I'd certainly play more vintage than I do modern these days. I think, in my personal opinion, modern is at the bottom of the pile of formats. <clears throat> and I think that's below M nineteen draft. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Which I, is, I don't you know, think it's quite that bad. <clears throat> I like. I'm gonna play a F and M because I'm gonna <clears throat> put together a stupid F and M level deck. Yeah. Uh, and I'm gonna play some performer shamans in modern <laughs> and do some nonsense, but like currently I think something needs to change yeah. and I don't think I don't think it's banned ancient stirrings I don't think it's banned KCI I don't think it's any of these things but like I don't know what has to change and I wish I did but like I, something has to change for the format to be as good as it once was yeah I think I agree with you there like I'm not sure what exactly the solution is um, could it be something like changing like the limits of cards in the deck so bringing in like a restricted list for modern like could that be a thing uh, could you know yeah like could we have some unbannings like c- could they just unban twin yep. and then see what happens like like we know for a fact like I Rugen needs to stay banned based on like the, the no banless modern event that Star City ran which was just mm-hmm. dominated by Eldrazi yep. but I think like twin's probably fine like will they print like a, a new card that will help like infect become like a decent deck again at some point like could that be a thing uh, I think the yeah. thing was like I think this is this is my argument for Twin. It's just like it was the fairest deck in the format. It was a great control deck that just happened to have a win button. Yeah, because like that, like I said before, like that was the most the most common win condition for Twin. So like was just Snapcaster Mage. Yeah, but Bolt Snap Bolt you attack with this two on. I mean, uh, I think the most common win condition was just Splint was just Splint on turn four. Really, I I, I disagree. How dare you? I think we'll. Uh, I, I think we should we should do a full episode on Twin at some point soon. To I be just honest. think, like, yeah, I just think it's what we need because it, it was it was just a control and a tempo and a combo deck. Um, and it, I, I think it's it's just it's not powerful in the format right now. But I think we don't have a deck. So you've got like the miracles decks, like the blue white control yeah. decks, or like maybe Jeskai if you're incorrect. Um, <laughs> I think Jeskai's horrible right now. But, I agree. Um, we don't have like, like I say like, about Thorsey, we don't have the BS checker. Yeah, and I think that's what that's what Twin was. Yeah, for sure. Um, because it had the efficient counter spells, and it had the ability to go late, and it had the ability to disrupt these decks. <clears throat> it had the ability to just murder Tron dead, um, and then it just like if you weren't paying attention, you just lost in turn four. Yeah. Um, and I think that was great for modern, and I think that's where modern needs to be. And like turn four win is perfectly reasonable. Yeah, I think in a in a world. Where we have like fatal push, where we have um, that uh, warping whale, uh-huh. uh, where we have like yeah warping whale, and we have like settler wreckage. I yeah. I would like to see twin back now, like to see how just how ridiculous it would be sort of in a format where where we have access to those cards. Like we have so many more sort of tools against it now, and like like humans, like how is twin gonna beat humans? Twin doesn't just, be humans. Yeah, they just go, like right, turn two, meddle and mage. You yeah. know, all right, beat that. Like, 
Exactly. Like, yeah. and then and then follow it up with a free boot, another meddling mage, and they just can't win the game. Yeah, like Lantern plays a bridge on turn three and empties its hand. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like the so many so many things, strategies and, and decks that we we have now that we just we didn't have back then. That I, I would yeah. just love to see Twin thrown back into the format. Or KCI wins on turn three. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Or the Affinity deck wins on turn three. Like, there, there's so much that the the format is a completely different animal than it was then. Yeah, totally. Um, and I think Twin is completely fine. So that is my actual only mention for the Power Nine. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I think I think so. Like it, it, yeah. Like I, I didn't include it in any of my list because it is not legal in the format currently. But uh-huh. if it was, Twin would absolutely make the list any time. Sure. Like, I, yeah, it's just... And that defined one for a while. Yeah. It was the deck, uh, along with Birthing Pod, but the less said about Birthing Pod, the better. <laughs> yeah. Um, as someone that would play the crap out of Birthing Pod if it was legal. <laughs> do not do not unban that card. No. no. <clears throat> cool. So that was our Power 9 for Modern. Uh, do you agree? Do you disagree? Like, are we just wrong? Should Wizards of the Coast just <laughs> unban Twin, like, tomorrow? Get in yeah. touch. Uh, hit us up on our usual channels. Uh, so it is facebook.com slash hfdcast. Or on Twitter, we are at hfdcast. Or you can find me on my personal Twitter. That is uh, at peachgardenoaf. That's oaf with an F. Or just Joe Loudon on Facebook. Uh, you'll find me in pretty much any of the MTG groups. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at uh, snail69. Hey, nice. Uh, or just on Facebook as Sam Neil, if you want to argue yeah. about magic cards. <laughs> so yeah, we thought we'd, we'd go a bit sort of deep on the topic this week. Uh, do a bit of a longer episode than usual, but once again, we are approaching the second hour. So we'll see you again next week on Arrow Devastation. <laughs>